I'm going to do some scripture reading this morning. The first one is 1 Corinthians 1, 3 through 9. Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of the grace given to you in Jesus Christ. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and all of your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. The second one is Mark 13, 24 through 37. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near and right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour or even the angels in the heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with an assigned a task. He tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, watch because you know, you do not know when the owner of the house will be coming back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. MJ for uh, reading that. We're going to dismiss the BLAST students and BLAST workers at this time, so if you're heading back for BLAST, you can head on out. And I'm going to fix this. I'm sure it was bothering some of you how precarious that was on the bench there. And we're going to continue in worship this morning. Uh, two things. Uh, first, um, MJ just stepped up and read double scripture because uh, Dave voice isn't doing well, apparently. <laughs> so, woohoo for uh, wives filling in for husbands, right? <laughs> Chris is going to preach next Sunday, by the way, so be ready for that. Uh, <clears throat> and, and the other thing is um, what we just did, we're, I put some sign-up sheets in the back. Um, if you want to be involved in this Christmas series, we would love, love, love to have you involved in the service just to make it different than what we do here normally. And it's not always in forever, but for this series, we're just going to do something different. And we're going to have people reading scripture. We're going to read from the lectionary readings. I'm going to actually preach from those readings as well. Um, also have opportunities for prayer and then decorations. If you want to help with decorations on the Sundays, just whatever. I mean, really to get, get the, you know, kind of creative juices flowing in the body about what could we do? How could we celebrate together this coming of Jesus at Christmas? I think it's so easy to get lost in the trappings of Christmas. And I know we talk about that a lot. Forget the point of Christmas, right? Uh, someone made a point. Who went to the 
the Light of Christmas Parade this week. Who was there? There were thousands of people. It was absolute madness, craziness. But someone made a point to me after the service, or after the, the, um, the um, parade, they said, uh, I didn't see baby Jesus at all, <laughs> which is funny. In years past, we've had a manger float. We did. I didn't think it was anything particularly, but someone's like, there was no manger. There was no Jesus or nothing in the parade at all. Um, there were churches in the parade, for sure, and, but there just wasn't any overt pointing toward Christ in this Christmas parade, which is really kind of funny. As a matter of fact, I said it under my breath, the big man is Santa Claus, supposedly, right? It is a chamber of commerce parade after all. So, you know, Santa has some, some say in commerce, apparently. But, uh, but it was interesting that there was no overt reference. Uh, by the way, in, in the way of thanks, I, I want to say thanks to all those who came out for the, late, the lighted party uh, that we had at our office. Our office was crazy. It kind of got out of control. Um, we, we had people coming in off the streets, and people just wanted to sit and warm up. And I saw Rick Scoggins giving out Bibles. And I mean, it was just, it, there was, cocoa wasn't ready. It was a, it was a crazy deal. So, um, but thanks to all you who came out and tried to make it work. And this is our first time trying it. And everything we try the first time, we screw it up. And so we're going to maybe try it again next year and see if it can do it a little better. <laughs> so if you have ideas about that, by the way, let us know. It was awesome. I know many people are traveling, so it's hard to make that. But it's hard to describe fully what's happening um, in our community on that evening. Um, probably one of the better things as far as the community uh, vibe going on in the middle of the Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday, you know, uh, make up your next acronym for Wednesday because apparently Tuesday is giving, so you have to make up something for Wednesday. Um, celebrations. It was really cool. One more thing I want to say to you um, is we are, we are going to, I want to remind you about the Ficker family who we sent out uh, to Guatemala to serve full-time as missionaries. Um, the Fickers, many of you have been talking to you about them. They're, they're part of our family group as well, so they're very near and dear to our hearts. But um, I got a chance to talk to Ryan on the phone this week, which was amazing to hear his voice, um, hear his excitement about what's happening there. And I won't give you a full detail, but I will say this to you. We made a card station in the back. Is that right? And it's an opportunity for you to, we brought cards um, that you can just write a, a note, a thought, a word from you to the Fickers. We're not trying to force you. If you don't, if you're like, I don't know who the Fickers are. I don't feel comfortable. That's fine. But if you know who they are and you want to just give them a word of encouragement, hey, praying for you guys, love you guys, miss you guys, write that out. We're going to put a box together and send it down to Guatemala. We want it to be a physical, you know, thing. So we're going to send them some pictures and just you know, some DVDs and stuff like that of us. But just really want to um, bless the Fickers and remind them that we're here because it's easy when you're away to to lose contact. And they, they aren't, but I feel like they're wanting that kind of uh, uh, international hug, that's what they kind of said. So if you could be part of that, that'd be awesome, okay? And we're going to wrap that up today. Is that, is that good, Chris? That good? Okay, awesome. Um, so we're going to start this new series in uh, considering Christmas. And I guess the question fundamentally is this, how do we experience Christmas? Like, how many of you had uh, awesome Thanksgivings? This week, awesome Thanksgiving weeks, man. It was incredible Thanksgiving uh, for many people. And I know some people it wasn't incredible. I've had those as well where it's been an awful Thanksgiving. Um, I'm so encouraged because this, this year was awesome for me personally. But I know that I want to encourage you, if it wasn't great, that, that usually there's great ones coming. <laughs> so um, don't be discouraged. I've had really bad Thanksgivings as well. Um, but it's so great to come into the season and to think about the sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes of Christmas. And so we're going to talk about that over the next five weeks, actually, even past Christmas Eve into the first Sunday after Christmas as well. And I'm wondering, what do you, what do you see uh, when you look around at Christmas? 
Like, what catches your eye about Christmas? Or what, what gets your gaze? Where do you look? Or who do you see at Christmas time? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. I want to read one more scripture for you. This is the Psalm, uh, Psalm 80, verses um, 1 through 7, and then 17 and 19. I'm just going to read it. Hear the word of the Lord. Um, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God, and make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord, God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, and you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies make fun of us. Restore us, O God Almighty, and make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Let your hand rest upon the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself, and then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord, God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. I'm going to ask you to do we ever do, do every Sunday we pray for God's inspiration and wisdom today. So pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for this season of remembering the great coming of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We do want to have our hearts in a right position as we enter into the season where there's so much noise in our community or so much noise in our, in our um, culture, there's so much noise in our world uh, about what's important and what's a priority. And Father, I pray that uh, we would set our hearts right before you. Uh, would you help us to do that this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit? Will you help us to get our heads straight and our hearts straight and our minds right about things that matter to you and who you're calling us to be? Father, I don't know what your plans are for the season for the people gathered here. I pray that they would be attentive to your voice, listening. I pray this morning that as we expound on what your scriptures say, that it would be right words and wisdom from you and not myself or ourselves even. But your Holy Spirit would teach us the truth of the scriptures that we might be changed, as the psalmist says, we might be saved. And you'd be glorified as we seek your counsel and yours alone this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, we're talking about that idea of what we see. Who has Christmas lights up already? Anyone have Christmas lights up already? Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, who's listening to Christmas music already? Yeah, it's a few of you. Awesome. You know, um, sometimes that's what we think of when we think of what, what Christmas looks like. We think of um, the lights maybe. Oh, maybe the prettiest house in the block. Did anyone drive around and look for the pretty houses as a, a family ritual? Um, how about anyone go to the Lady of the Snow Shrine? Or what was that mess out in West County we went to, the lighted, the Way of Lights? What is that thing called? That was a, as a traffic jam is what that was. It was crazy. I've never gone before last year. I will never go again. <laughs> what a nightmare. Huh? Tillis Park, my wife says. She talked us into that. Um, what? What is it that really gets your attention during, during this season? Uh, today we've heard many scriptures, and I don't know if you've heard all the references, but um, there's something different we're supposed to be looking toward at Christmas. There's something different that we're supposed to see than, than the whole world sees. Uh, and maybe, by the way, it's something more uh, substantial, like acts of kindness, right, or, or gentleness, or, or even peace. I don't know if you heard that song this morning we sang about 
the, the, the God of peace, you know, his reign is peace. And in our country and in our community, uh, thinking about Ferguson and all the unrest and all the uncertainty, thinking about the Middle East and ISIS and all the, 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 the evil going on, oh, that God would come and reign in his peace this Christmas. What are your eyes fixed on? Maybe generosity, giving, the season of giving and not receiving. Uh, Isaiah, I wanted to start with Isaiah this morning because Isaiah was actually the, the, the prophet we talked about last week in his call. And uh, we heard this morning um, at the very beginning of the service from Isaiah 64. I, Isaiah expected to see something different in the people of God. And I want to remind you a couple of things that it says. This is what Isaiah says. As when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes the water to boil, come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Right? This idea that uh, God lights a fire in our lives, uh, 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 you know, sets twigs ablaze and boils water, moves nations, changes things. We talked about last week shaking the, the, the uh, doorposts of the temple in his praise, meaning that he fundamentally changes things. Isaiah expected to see God's people radically changed by the good news of Jesus. You remember that it was Isaiah's blessing to be able to prophesy about this Messiah that God would bring that would change everything. And this morning we got to hear one of his prophecies about that, that people will be fundamentally changed. Maybe you want an old-time Christmas, right? Maybe you want the Christmas you had when you were a little kid, you know? You want the train around the tree, you know, whatever it was for you. You want Pokemon or, you know, whatever your generation had that, you know, that you were like, oh, it's Christmas. Or maybe we start to think about what God wants, which would be radically transformed believers, people who would have a fire in them from God above, causing, what does it say, the nations to fear him, to tremble in his presence, uh, people who are radically changed. Isaiah goes into something else here, though, too, about this radical transformation. You see, it says in verse 3, you did, not, you did some awesome things we didn't expect. You came down and the mountains trembled before you. But then listen to this in verse 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, nor ears perceived, nor eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You have come to the help who gladly do right. You remember your ways, but we continue to sin against them, and you are angry. We continue to sin against you. How then can we be saved? Isaiah understands that fundamentally we have a sin problem. Why aren't we on fire for God? Why aren't we passionate about things that matter to God? Why isn't he lighting us up at Christmas instead of lighting up houses with LEDs? Do you know what I mean? Why aren't we the shiny examples? And Isaiah says the problem is that we fundamentally battle against God's will with our sin. We continue to frustrate his desires in our life with our sinfulness. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm saying as one of us, man, that we are all in that boat. God revealed through Isaiah that we all have this sin problem. And yet, I want to, Isaiah says this, uh, verse 8, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O God. Uh, do not remember our sins forever. Look upon us, we pray because we belong to you. And Isaiah understood that fundamentally we, we belong to God, right? 
So the first thing I, I kind of want to talk about was that Isaiah expected us to see something different in Christmas. He really, that, his heart's, he, he's, he's like, when people see this, this, this coming Messiah, they will never be the same. It will never be about anything else. And then I'll remind you that someone pointed out to me that there, there was no overt reference to Jesus in the parade. It'll, it'll never be about something else. Only about the Messiah who's coming to the world. What do you hope to see most of this Christmas? Many of us, that's the best we can hope for, is to have a nice Christmas with not as much fighting, less drama. You know, like you kind of walking on eggshells, you're just hoping. But few of us, few of us, hope that God would start a holy fire because of something as safe as Christmas, that he would ignite his people with passion, that they would be his glory. There's something more uh, to Christmas. Well, the, the second question I kind of have this morning is, um, what, what will others see in you then? Because, see, I don't want to just come here and talk about, well, the problem and all that, but I want to say, like, well, what, what is the solution to this problem? And the question is, what are people going to see in you this holiday season? You know, will, will you look like everyone else, or will you look different? Will you be different? Maybe you're going to be the kind of person that's going to give the best gifts. That'll be your marker this Christmas. Or, or maybe you're going to have the prettiest house in the block. That's your goal. Not just pretty. Maybe you're going to be the house where they come in and like, wow, it's like I, I swallowed Christmas. You know what I mean? Uh, I've heard some of you already have like four or five trees up already, you know. You are Christmas. You're more Christmas than Jesus, you know what I mean? That's awesome, right? What, maybe that's your thing. Or maybe you'll have the most Christmas cheer. You're going to be the person that's going to, going to always say, you know, hey, Merry Christmas, more excitedly than anyone else, you know. Um, or maybe you're going to be the person that's going to always, you know, rail about don't forget Christ and Christmas, don't. You know, put Christ in Christmas. Don't forget Jesus in Christmas. Maybe that will be your marker. Mm. Maybe you'll be a good listener this Christmas. Man, I tell you what, I think we have an epidemic of cynicism in our culture. And I feel it myself, cynicism. Oh, you're so, we're so cynical about everything. We're so wore out. We're so, we're just, you know, what good can come of it? But maybe this year will be different. Maybe you will be someone who's going to listen well uh, to others who are hurting. Um, maybe you'll be a peacemaker instead of fostering division and discord and disunity. Maybe you'll be someone that can um, help bring people together. You say, well, that's crazy. I, I, you know, it's just me. It's just my family. What can we do? Um, you heard from Corinthians, letter to Corinth was written by the Apostle Paul, all of us know Paul um, through his writings, and the Apostle Paul has this great book, and it kind of bridges the gap here between Thanksgiving and Christmas in, in this way of what will people see in you this Christmas? The first thing that Paul says is that we have an unmeasurable amount of grace and mercy in Jesus Christ, right? Grace and peace to you, he says, in the name of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because he has given you, because of the grace he's given you in Christ Jesus. You've been given an abundance of grace, more than you need, more, more than uh, 
we deserve, that's for sure. We have immeasurable grace from Christ Jesus himself. Um, but then look at what he says in verse 5. For in Jesus you have been enriched in every way. See? I don't know if you guys feel rich. I don't know if you guys feel that at all. Maybe you feel strapped. Maybe you feel poor. What could I do? Maybe you're out, you know. I mean, maybe you're just tapped. But Paul says, no. You've been enriched in every way in Jesus, in your speaking and your knowledge, because of our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Now listen to verse 7. Therefore, because of this, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus to be revealed. That means when he has you somewhere that you're there for a reason. So again, what will people see in you? Will you believe that truth? Will you stop believing the lie that you don't have what you need to do what you're called to do? Will you, will you, will you believe that he's equipped you for every good work? He's prepared you for every season. He's made you strong enough, wise enough. In him, he has given us all things. Therefore, we do not lack anything as we wait um, for Christ. And then look in verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you feel like, how am I going to finish this well? It's, you know, this is another year down. I can't believe how fast 2014 went. I cannot believe how fast it went, right? And yet you go, I'm going to finish this race with Jesus, not because how strong I am, but because how strong he is, you know? He won't quit on me. He will keep you strong to the end, so you'll be blameless on the day of Jesus. God who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. The, basically, the synopsis is God is, is faithful. He's given us a forever family in the kingdom. And, and I want to, uh, that's why I feel like we can do this Christmas season. Sometimes we're afraid, I think, to include people. Sometimes I think we're afraid to open our home or, or have a spot at our table or let someone into our office or stand out in a crowd. Sometimes we're nerve. We, I don't know if that, I'm going to have enough. It's going to be good enough. It's going to be right. But God says, no, we, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. And we can invite, not only do we have a guaranteed inheritance as part of Jesus' forever family, like eternal family, but we can invite others to be part of that family. We can welcome them in. We can give them the grace that we've received from Jesus ourselves. We can extend that grace to them in Jesus' name this season. I, I don't know if you get sick of that, man. I think what we get sick of at Christmas is the cynicism. I don't think we get sick of the gracefulness. I don't think we get sick of the, 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 the welcoming. I don't think we get sick of seeing people who love us. Right? It's all the other stuff that wears us out. But not welcoming, not loving, not family. My last question then is, will anyone look like Jesus this Christmas? That might sound a little sacrilegious. Wait a minute, we're not Jesus, Bill. I get it. I know, I know I'm not Jesus. I see it every day. And yet, will we look at all like Jesus this Christmas? The Gospel of Mark is interesting. The reading today um, from the Gospel of Mark because it talks about the disciples who are asking Jesus, when will the kingdom be restored? What will it look like? How will this happen? 
And Jesus himself begins to talk about the things that are going to come in his kingdom. But here's the first real radical difference is Jesus saw the whole world differently than you and I do. And we would do well to remember that. That anytime we look at a situation, we go, we know exactly how this situation works. We should begin to think, wait a minute, Jesus saw it differently. He saw it differently. And that's throughout the Gospels. I mean, everything we see recorded of Jesus, he sees things differently than we do. And so when I say look like, will we, will we look like Jesus? Will we take a minute to re-examine when that, when that stuff comes out of our heart that is not of, of Christ? Will we look again and say, what's God really doing here in my family? What's God really doing in my relationships? What's God really doing in this consumerism culture? By the way, let me tell you a story. This is really funny. But we were out running around. It wasn't, I, I'm going to say something. This is funny. Um, I've done a great job of not shopping since Wednesday. Woohoo! I'm pretty excited because we've been inundated with you must buy. And I'm going to make it through God willing, God willing, I'm going to make it past Cyber Monday without spending any of my money because it makes me angry to be, you know, forced to do it during that season, right? And that might be stupid to you, but I'm like, really? I mean, just it's like a spiritual battle. We're, we're inundated uh, with that. But we were out running around on Wednesday, and if you were out Wednesday, it was crazy. It was crazy. There, I think the entire population of Highland was in Walmart Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Anybody go for that? There were traffic jams in, in aisles, you know, like cart jams. There were people, and uh, many people were like, I can't wait to get out of here. You know, like everyone was mad. People were doing that, like, line sh- switch. Oh, <laughs> that line shifting thing you do where you're looking at the lines. Oh, that one's better. And you go over here, and then that line's not going. And all, you know what I mean? Man, and you, and it's so easy to get caught up in it. But I just want to say, here's a little thing. Step back a minute and look at what's happening. It's so funny. It's so funny. Which, which hammer are you going to get? I mean, everyone's freaking out. They're stressed out. And I had the best time walking around the store just trying to bless people. How are you doing today? You know? Isn't, oh, this is awesome. You're going to have family in. This is so fun. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Um, you can do, like, look differently at it. See it differently. Let someone pull in front of you in traffic. I don't know what it is for you, you know? Let someone go to the buffet before you get there, you know what I mean? Let someone have the last cookie off the tray. Do something to be graceful. Look at the situation differently. Uh, we can ask God to change the way we see things. Man. I, I, I'm convinced one of the things Jesus says, those who have eyes to see, man, can we see it differently, God, this season? Can we look like Jesus this Christmas. So the disciples begin to ask, um, and a couple things I want to point out to you. In verse 26 of chapter 13 of Mark, it says, um, let me find it here. At that time, men will, and that means people, will see the Son of Man. And I just want to say one thing as a way of encouragement. Everyone will see Jesus. Everyone will see Jesus. You know, people are like, oh, will I see Jesus? Will I see? Yes, Jesus says himself, everyone will see Jesus. You will see the Son of Man. That's what he says. Coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now, he's talking about a second coming, but it's good hope for us to remember that there's going to come a time where we won't have this brokenness in the world. We can look like Jesus. Jesus looked forward to what was coming in his Father's kingdom. He says, you're going to see the Son of Man. The second thing is that there are going to be signs of his coming, and we can be aware of those things. And I, I know it's always like a, uh, not weird, but a hard thing to deal with because it's been thousands of years, right? 
but we can look for signs of Jesus coming into this place. We can keep, what the last thing that MJ read this morning, watch, Jesus says of his people. You should keep watching, which is, which is the next point, to keep looking for Jesus, keep looking for him. And I don't just mean in the second coming. We should always watch for the second coming of Christ. But look in our lives, look in our gatherings, look in our shopping, look in our eating, look in our living. Look for Jesus. Watch for him this Christmas season. Um, and then verse 34. Don't miss this either, okay? It's like a man who goes away, Jesus says. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. Right? That's different. Puts his servants in charge, each having an assigned task, and then tells one to keep watch at the door. That means that not only has Jesus left us here for a reason. Some people have said that. Why am I here? You're here for a reason. But he's given you work to do, a task assigned to you, to me, for his purposes. So watch. What are those things in our lives that we're called to do? Jesus has given us a, ta a task. And not only that, if you read it, it says he's given us authority to do it. He put his servants in charge, right, and assigned each of us a task. So he gave us response, uh, authority to do it and the job to do. Maybe this season it starts for you, looking like Jesus in the world. Um, and then, like I said, the last thing is to always, always be ready for Jesus. Will you be ready? I'm going to ask you to join with me in praying as we enter into this Christmas season. I don't mean praying right now. We're going to pray right now, too, in a second here. But I mean to really look toward Christmas and say, Lord, what are you doing? Where, where am I at in my life? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my family? I, I believe that we've been called to be peacemakers. I believe that. I believe we've been called to be different than the world. What does that look like this Christmas season? I pray that we would all continue to watch and, and to look. Um, I've been convicted by something recently. Uh, and it's, there's an old throwaway line I've heard in Protestantism. When I came to faith, I wasn't Protestant, so some of the things were new to me. And one of the things that someone said to me is, you might be the only Bible that people ever read. I thought it was a really weird thing to say. I'm like, what does that even mean? You might be the only Bible people read, you know? But the more I've dug into God's Word over the several years that you've been gracious enough to have me pastor this church, the more I've read the word and been convicted by what it says, the more I've understood that if we, if we aren't living that out in our families, in our homes, in our lives, um, we're not a very good Bible to read, you know? It's different, isn't it, to want to look like Jesus. I hope this Christmas we can do that more together. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me that God would help us to do that um, by his grace and mercy. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word and the time we spent today, um, even going through um, the, the things that we've prepared and uh, that you've prepared for us today, Father. Uh, I pray that we always would have an eye toward you and what you're doing in this world. I do pray, I do pray, not only that we would notice your absence, but that we'd bring your presence to our culture. <laughs> not only that we would sit back and say, oh, where is Jesus? But we'd be willing to go out and be with you, with your people, those that you've died to save. Father, I can't imagine what that looks like for each of us. I don't have that broad of an imagination. But I, I believe that you have a purpose for us. And I pray, Father God, that as we each seek to find that, if we each seek your will in our lives, that you would show us those little things this Christmas, opportunities we have to love, to serve, to give, to love, 
to live, just to do your will in this world. And if, <laughs> if it looks weird to the whole world, that's not why we're doing it, but if it does, it does. Help us to be gracious. Help us to be merciful. Help us to be peacemakers this season. Would you help us to look like Jesus, we ask. And we ask it in his name. Amen.